I want to be competitors, but not enemies. And so it's so much easier that way. It's less friction. Anytime there's, you know, you become enemies, it's a time suck. How's it going? It's Tim Brown, Hook Agency, and I have a special guest on today for the 10th episode of Agency Growth Mastermind, Chris Yano from Rhino Strategic Solutions. How you doing, man? Good, man. This is number 10. Number 10. Number All right. 10. All right. My other podcast is up to like 150, but this one for agencies, I just like, you know, coaches, man. I like coaches, but they don't always like, it's a lot of money and you don't always get like really <laughs> what you're looking for. And like, they usually have one specialty. So I started to branch out from that. I've got strategic advisors and I've got this. And then I got bring it. in like other little, little agency guys to kind of like help us craft our SEO thing. I understand. Yeah, I get it. Well, of- number 10 is a good round number yeah. and it's the first double digit numbers. I'll take it. Yes. We're talking about niching today. And Niches. Why- niche. Yes. We got to get the niches and we're going to talk about why to do it. We're going to talk about how tight is too tight of a niche. We're going to talk about basically everything that you've gone through a bit of your story up till now. And um, so you guys are niched into home services and you've done a lot of HVAC. Um, I guess we'll get right into the content. What brought you to that? Did you start as a niche agency? Where did what happened that brought you there? And do you think that that's repeatable for other people in similar situations? Yeah, let me go ahead and do this just to kind of set the stage for the listeners, viewers, whatever, however you're streaming this thing. But um, did I mean to get into a niche? Absolutely not. Um, but uh, nearly 14 years later, I'm in it. What I, I mean, I was an internet marketing guy, which I learned SEO in 2004, I told you, I think on our last call, um, which was forever ago. But when I started my own internet marketing company, it was just probably like you, Tim. It was, I was just trying to find anybody who needed it. I mean, this is back in 2008. So, you know, fast forward to today, um, it was just that an opportunity came up within the HVAC industry with the manufacturer. And that's kind of what set the tone. I was a small business. I think I only had like three employees at the time. And um, when the opportunity came up, I learned a valuable lesson early on, just say yes. Uh, and when they're like, hey, do you think you could support our X hundreds of HVAC contractors all over the United States? My obvious answer was, well, yeah, of course I can. Uh, please don't ask me how many employees I have. I was like, you know, I just, you heard the term fake it till you make it. I knew what I was doing, but I acted like I was a much bigger agency than I really was because I didn't want to lose the the business. I didn't want them to, you know, to be concerned that I, I couldn't, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. But what I learned was that, um, it took a lot of focus to to hit the HV, HVAC industry. It's a really difficult industry because of the seasonality of the business. Um, but it was a good one. And, it, and people were telling me early on that I was silly for focusing only on HVAC. The reality was I didn't have the bandwidth to do anything other than that. If I really wanted to be good at it and learn in the way that we did business and the way we track lead volume, I just didn't have the bandwidth to do anything other than the H. So it was kind of an accident how I got into it. Fast forward you know, nearly 14 years later. And now we're, you know, an eight figure company with 130 employees still focusing on HVAC. We've just added, we've just added to it along the way, but stuck, you know, stayed in this home services umbrella. Yeah. I love it. And 
I think it's always like one thing that I appreciate about you guys and I think is admirable. It's also scary and difficult is being a very numbers focused agency, being a data tracking organization. It kind of, when you fail, you fail really real, you know, super clear. Yeah. And it's it's crystal clear when you have a bad month, like there's no hiding it. It is crystal clear, but you know, you learn a lot though. You learn a lot. You learn a ton. And I think like ultimately over time for the right people, it creates a lot of trust because you know, it's just cool. And it's not all, not all agencies are like that. So I think it's a really good, it's a huge, it's a huge thing about your guys's culture. Dude, even the best have shitty months. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed, if it blurped that out, yeah, but like even, even the yeah. best have bad months, you know, yeah. and, and I consider us, you know, especially the HVAC industry, the best. Um, but I do think you, you actually hit it on a key word that, that is the most important. And that was trust. Um, you know, even our customers don't get it right every single month. We're all constantly learning. So I think there's a lot of value in, in, well, I know there's a lot of value in just being honest. Like if you have a bad month, don't try and cover it up. Don't try to like smoke and mirrors it. Like, you know, our industry, our industry, like mine and yours already kind of has a bad stigma for, you know, not being trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So just being honest and Hey, if you have a bad month, own it and say, I'm going to do better. And then I know for a fact, like, that's how you maintain your customers over a long period of time. That's how you can, you know, keep your retention rate really high. Just be honest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't, you, you can't fail a lot of time. If you fail too many times, they're going to move on, but no, you got to own it when you do and move on. I think most people are, are okay with that. Totally. And you know, the thing is, is if you cover it up, let's say you have a failure for months and months and months or whatever, like there's things that happen. SEO is a little slower. You know, there's obviously that buildup. Yeah. People, it's a little bit you can get quicker wins and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you could cover it up from yourself too if you cover up too much you don't actually get the benefit of the failure which is that you experience the pain that is that your systems improve that is that you you kind of you have to acknowledge it and say what do we need to change that's significant to make this more consistent and more robust yeah, dude. I mean, think about it this way. This is what I preach this to my team is we, 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 you know, preach our core values. It, have an integrity, man. Like you have to go to sleep at night. But, um, yeah. Why you want to fake it? Why do you want to, you know, if you, if you mess up on somebody's account like that, you know, and you, and you do a bad job and you try and cover it up, like that's a sucky feeling. I don't yeah. want to have any part of that. I would rather own it. And then, um, you know, accept accountability and like you had said, learn from it. Well, what did go wrong that made us you know, have a, a poor performing month for this customer? And yep. you think share, share your failures to the other people on your team so that they 100%. don't have to do the same thing or that there can be a fail safe next time. Yeah, dude. Like, how is it? How does that look to the rest of your staff if you're covering things up when they all know that it wasn't that it wasn't like that doesn't look good. That's not being a good leader. So you just own it, man. And then you, you take accountability for it and, and you legit try and fix it. You know, one of our core values is you genuinely care. And, and, and it sounds cheesy, but I preach it. I think it's the best marketing strategy ever is to genuinely care. Like yeah, you genuinely care about your employees. You genuinely care about your customers and you genuinely care about them doing a good job. Because if you think about it, everybody's got families or employees that are trying to progress in their jobs. Like, and and when somebody reaches out to an agency like mine or yours, they're trying to grow their agency and create more opportunity and create more wealth for themselves and things of that nature. So you sure as heck can't um, fake it until you make it forever. 
Um, I did a podcast one time called Don't Be the Tooth Fairy of the Trades. And it's because, you know, the tooth fairy gives you money for so long, you know, up until you realize the tooth fairy is not real. Mm-hmm. So it's a, you, the fake it till you make it strategy only works so long before you get exposed. But, you know, yep. don't be that guy. There's already, there's already way too many companies that are exactly that. Totally. I, so you said your guys are eight figures now. Um, I want to throw this out here. I think maybe three of the company, two, two of the other companies. So you're the third company on here that's at that level. Um, so, so I guess I'm doing about one out of every three is kind of, cause I say this podcast is for people going from 1 million to 10 million. Uh, so from your perspective, if you don't mind going on a tangent for a second, what are some things that kind of helped you do that? I know it's, I know there's no hacks. Okay. I'm not right. looking for hacks. I know it's hard work and ridiculous amounts of sweat and all that, but like any principles that you've got for us. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. Um, there is no hacks. Like there really isn't. It's been, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I feel like I ate shit for a solid eight, nine years before I really hit a stride. And, and, it, <laughs> and it's just that um, once I learned, I could, uh, you know, once I learned a few things that were major hiccups, I could start to scale faster, but I had to go through it in order yeah. to scale the business. And like, here's an example is sometimes you think you need a partner and you don't need a partner. Um, sometimes a partner has um, different, you know, you have the, initially you have the same outlook, but then it changes as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that end goal in mind, like the same vision and the same you know plan of execution is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure that I would say single-handedly, the absolute most important thing to the success of this business has been all of our employees. Our culture is ridiculously awesome here at Rhino. I say that obviously I'm not even being biased. I know it. Um, we, it is, we treat employee satisfaction equal to customer satisfaction. They are one and the same to us. They're both, they're both equally important to us. One can't function without the other. Yeah. Um, and so that's just from like a scalability perspective on making sure that your employees are happy because when you have turnover, it, you know, it causes hiccups in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to start to train again, the way that you do it, you know, you have to start to learn the industry because most of them you know, aren't really super knowledgeable about HVAC or plumbing or electrical or roofing, you know, or whatever. So you kind of have to teach them not only the industry, which is our customer, but also the way that we do it. So there's just a lot of hiccups. So the better you can retain your employees, um, the better you become, the faster you can move, the more efficient you become as a business. I think um, to that point, kind of a follow-up question just on that particular piece, because that's such a big one. And we've talked about that on po- this podcast a lot. Okay. Employee retention, satisfaction, et cetera. The, tail end of like capacity. This is what I always say. I always say we're going to feel out capacity on an employee, but I feel like I hire early, but that's terrible for profitability. So, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm five years in, I kind of want some of that. (laughs) So I don't think there's really any way around that, Tim. Like, I think you, you, the worst case scenario is you don't, you know, you don't hire and then you get your timelines get pushed out and, you know, and, and then that's when it gets really awful or you start, working too fast and missing things if you yeah. don't, if you're not staffed appropriately. Yeah, so then exactly. it becomes, an, you know, a client satisfaction and, uh, or a client dissatisfaction and employee dissatisfaction, totally. which you don't want. That's basically what I think. And then I just like, always, I'm like, but everyone, I got to get profitable eventually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you will. I mean, yeah. 
But you know what? Like, here's what happens is, um, well, let me, let me tell you this much. I learned business by being in business. I think I told you that. So I, you know, I, I, my, thankfully my wife is our COO and we are exact opposites and our, our strengths complement one another. She is very financially savvy, very business savvy. Um, and so it worked really well. So we could, you know, she could handle the finances, she could handle operations deliverables, and I could handle marketing and sales and things like, and strategy calls. Um, and that worked really, really well. Um, but we've always had the same end goal in mind. Now I will say this, we certainly grew too fast in the beginning. So I learned a valuable lesson on, um, we were working way too many hours and we weren't charging enough. So we're doing all this work, all this stuff and running like a thin, a thin margin for yeah. profitability and it wasn't worth it. So something yeah. had to change. And I realized, man, I don't need to be, what I think is easy is not what my contractor thinks is easy. So I'm charging it based on what I think I need to be charging because yeah. it's easy to me. Um, instead, I'm, instead of charging what the actual value is, is really worth in the market and what my value is worth as a company. And once I figured that piece out, which I wish I would have done four years earlier, um, I started to eat a little bit better. Yeah. But when I told you like I ate shit for a long time, it's because I just kept pumping money right back into the business for the long play yeah. of, hey, man, what else do I need? What software do I need to make us better? Is there some sort of CRM I need to use? I need more developers to build it in-house because I don't outsource anything. Um, I just kept pumping money back into it. And when I finally got it to a spot where I knew my numbers really well, I knew my margins, I knew when I needed to hire ahead of time, I knew what my price point should be, I knew my value overall. Um was when I started to see the bottom line start to increase significantly. Mm-hmm. And, and here's a, here's a good uh, motivator for you too. Give us a headcount number there. Give, give us a headcount that we could look forward to. That, that are, give us something on the, for, when, when does it get easier, sir? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you, for me, it was um, when we, when we actually started to turn a corner was probably in 2017, um, like a big corner where we started taking big chunks so think about that. I started a business in 2008. So that's a bit of time to learn. But I was, I was looking at like this, you know, it's so hard in the beginning to think like you, there's no way, Tim, you can sit and think it through. What does your business look like in 10 years? It's really difficult in our world to think what our business looks like in 10 years. Five's about the max out. I feel like I can go. Yeah. But, but I do know that once I started to learn that I could charge more for my services as long as I actually produced good results and made sure that I knew that for a fact and my customers knew that for a fact. Where I really started to win was if you can retain customers, the longer you have them, the more profitable they become. But they also don't leave because you're producing for them. Like you're, you're becoming profitable for them as well. So, but the more profitable they become. So it's kind of a win-win scenario mm-hmm. on you know, the longer they stay with you, the more profitable they come. And then as you start to add more and more customers throughout the United States or even up into Canada, wherever you're going, the more customers you add that stay longer, you can start to see that really starts to chip away, yeah. you know, and, and adds to your, your bottom line. So now so, fast forward all these years later and it's, it works out really well. <laughs> nice little business. Um, so why give us like a few more tidbits on why to niche your agency. Let's say there's bunch of generalists listening to this they all have locally focused ones or something else why would they so yeah so i mean let me tell you this much um and and this is going to be just all that i can give is from my perspective 
So before I started my own company, I was in sales, like I was saying, and, um, and I was a really successful sales guy. But what I had done was I chose the roofing industry early on because I understood it. Um, and this was probably in 04 to 0, like 2004 to 2007. Um, I decided to just focus on roofing because if I only did that, then I knew, and I knew the industry really well, I could speak the lingo so I could, I could connect with the contractors, with the potential customers. I started to understand what they really care about. I started to understand their pain points. And when you do it over and over and over and over again, every single day, you get really good at knowing what objections to overcome before they even ask them. You get really good at understanding what's most valuable to them. So really when you're going down the sales call, it became easier to sell them because you knew what their pain points were. You knew what made them excited and you knew how to move forward with the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for me, it was just a bandwidth issue where it's when I got pulled into HVAC, there's a lot of variables to HVAC. And because of the seasonality of the business in some markets, you had to pay attention to when it slows down, like the weather is beautiful. How do I, you know, how do I make sure I, I can communicate with our contractors on why lead volume slowed down? Well, if I only focused on that niche, I should be able to answer all those questions before they're even asked to me, which makes me want a good communicator into a trustworthy business. And three, I've got accountability, but I'm, I'm doing the same thing every day. So you should get good at it. Good, get, uh, get good at it. Mm-hmm. Here's another variable to think through. Think about how AdWords has changed over the years. Um, and it's so, it can be so incredibly expensive. Well, if you are running ads for an AC repair company or roofing repair company or electrical services or drain cleaning services, you have to figure out which of the ads did you create that converts the best for the least amount of money so you can keep the cost per lead low Mm -hmm. um, and you can keep lead volume high. If you do that every single day, years upon years, you you no longer have to guess on which ads to roll out in any given market to know which ones are going to perform at max capacity with the least amount of cost attached to it. So you can there's start so much, to- there's correlation on the SEO side that every single type of marketing, there's these efficiencies that just hit and they, they're huge. Yeah. And I will say this, you know, and, and you know this too, but nowhere is it in black and white that says your SEO campaign impacts your pay-per-click campaign. But I'll tell you for a fact, it hundred percent does. So when people are like, Hey, I don't want to do SEO right now. I just want to do pay-per-click. We won't do it because mm-hmm what is Google's number one product still? It's still relevant information, right? Like that is, it's the reason it exists. So anytime we've ever had to run a a pay-per-click campaign with no SEO and a pay-per-click campaign with SEO in the exact same market against one another, the one that has SEO always performs exceptionally better, regardless of brand equity, regardless of- Really? See, that was what what my head went to is like the brand equity, but also like quality scores and different things. You got to do what impacts quality score, right? So like, think about this. So nowhere is that in black and white. Just think about all we're trying to do is actually manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. We were trying to manipulate the system with SEO, but in turn, you'll notice it does work better. So, yeah. Okay. So how tight is too? So I I agree 100% with all your points. I think that so good. So how tight is too tight of a niche though? Because you and I are both, I'm going a little bit tighter on roofing, but I'm doing home services in general. I, I would yeah. love to do some HVAC, excuse me. Yeah, it's uh, all good. And you're in you know, a little bit tighter in HVAC, but you're at home services and you do a good chunk of different kinds of home services. So why, why are you doing that? Why do you think someone, like, let's say you're a medical niche company or a dental niche company, like why, why be the medical 
niche company instead of the dental. And I guess like, how do people know if it's too tight for them and their situation? Yeah, and I think um, this is a question I actually get fairly often. Um, so today we focus heavily on HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and now roofing. Um, and, but I will, I will say this, you need to make sure that if you are in a niche that you really feel like you've maxed out your opportunity in that niche before you move on to another, mm -hmm. but you want to find one that is relatable. So it makes sense. Like in my world, um, I'm at, I mean, HVAC, we only work with so many customers in any given market. So I knew I was going to saturate at some point in time. So I moved in from United States into Canada into Australia. So I just went the English speaking markets route first. Nice. But what happens is, so a lot of HVAC guys also do plumbing. So I kind of had to do it even when I wasn't focused on it. It's just that plumbing was easier because it's more consistent. It's not so seasonal. Mm -hmm. So once I went down that route, you have to keep in mind by this time I had the processes already in place. So just adding another vertical wasn't a big yeah. deal. Yep. It was just learning the keywords and kind of running the, you know, the same average, uh, you know, average groups and, and um, ads all over again to see which ones are converting better. And once I felt like I had a really good grip on it, we went all in on it. And we had some of our team that focuses only on plumbing, some only on HVAC, but the process was already in place, Tim. That's what I'm saying is I felt like I'd maxed out the majority of my opportunity in HVAC at that point in time. Um, and it made sense for me to kind of morph into this other niche. And at the same time, if, if a lot of my customers are already doing plumbing, it was an easy segue for mm -hmm. me. So electrical is the same thing. Those three actually go together really well, HVAC, plumbing, and electrical, because there's now quite a bit that do all three. Mm -hmm. So the weird thing, the only reason I moved into to back into roofing after all these years is because like I had told you ahead of time, I am involved with a lot of big private equity players who are some of the biggest home services companies in the United States. And I noticed they started buying roofing companies. And so I got to pay attention to those things. And so same thing, I'm actually in that process right now. Now I have, you know, I'm, because the process is already in place on how to build out a vertical, it's just hiring the bodies and putting the team in place, which we did. So you just hire people who are hyper-focused on roofing and now going back through the data analysis and figuring that piece out. So I think once you feel like, hey, is there any more that I can go after? And I mean, you got to be really truthful with yourself too. You know, you have to be able to, to sit down. If you're if you're focusing on dental, like uh, working in the, in the dental industry, which I basically like dipped my toe in the water on that once and I yeah, bailed out of it real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was a... Uh, you know, it, it was a moment where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I have way more opportunity here. I have way more clout in this particular industry. I'm not, and I've got all these markets that I haven't really, I don't have anybody in yet. So why am I even bothering on doing something different when I should just focus on those particular locations and finding, you know, um, dental practices there? So you got to like really look internally and make sure like, don't make excuses for yourself. If you've got open markets where you don't have customers, but you already know, you know your shit really well in dental, you go to those markets and you try to fill those markets. That's where you spend your effort before you start adding another, another vertical. Yeah. I appreciate that. Now I think so, the, the obvious question I would think for a listener might be, Hey, we're doing a podcast kind of competitors. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm smaller than you. So usually I don't, you know, when somebody's super small compared to me, I'm not like super worried about them, but why are these guys talking? And um, I guess I'd be curious about your answer. I can give a little bit of my, just to kind of like 
You mean why are we? Why are you and I having a conversation? Yeah, why, why have a conversation with somebody that's a competitor? Why or you know whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Why are you not worried about that? Why am I not worried about that? That kind of thing. Well, so for me, I've, I've so you keep in mind anytime because I came in through the manufacturer route. First off, I was always one of a couple different options that they that they would choose from. So they would say, "Hey, use Rhino," or "Hey, use ABC Marketing." These are the companies that we we prefer. They're our preferred digital marketing companies. So I've always kind of had to play nice in the sandbox. I've yeah. always been that way. I believe in um, competition. So. I'm all about, Hey, yeah, let's go. Let me see you on the battlefield. Like, and I, I'll put my team against your team. And I believe that that's how you should win. You know, you, you should win it. Um, you the customer is based on what you've done, your credibility, your successes. And then like, let's have like the good old fashioned, you know, wild west showdown on like, let's just do a draw and we'll see who wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I believe, you know, if, you know, in the HVAC plumbing and electrical space, I do not believe there's any agency better than ours. We've got we're the most reputable agency, but we earned it. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of years. In roofing, I'm having to prove myself. Like I have, you know, you've got more brand equity than me. Yeah. So I just got, I don't, like to me, it's, I got a bigger team. I got more firepower. I'll eventually catch up to the knowledge that you have. And then I have all the systems in place to start to steamroll it. Um, but Right now, you got me. At the end of the day, think about how many roofers there are between the United yeah. States and all over the world. Like, yeah. who gives a shit? It's if it's yeah, me, whoever else. That's like, kind of what I was getting at. I was just going to say, like, the market is so big. It doesn't and matter, it, man. There's like, so many damn people. Yeah, so many contracts. We drive around, like, just, you know, because we, we've been, just because it's good for us. I get out and we go talk to companies. We'll just door knock, basically. And give them some, we give them some hook branded hot sauce and we just say, what's up? Good for you. Dude, there's so much opportunity out there that it doesn't matter if there was eight of us, 10 of us on here talking. It doesn't matter. In like a a half a square mile area, like the amount of contractors, HVAC and roofing were the biggest ones, but like the amount of different contractors in that half mile, like business park was like so ridiculous. It was like, 16 or something it was like and like five of them were roofers and five of them were hvac and it's like <laughs> yeah. this is this is how much business there is out here i mean yeah dude again competition is good for us right and it keeps yeah. us on our toes and you know it pushes us to make sure we don't become complacent you know yeah. so <clears throat> i think I like i like a really good co- like i was telling chris earlier too like i just really like a good company coming into the space i know that we might have to battle at some point and whatever and you just made me tired thinking about that but that's okay um <laughs> I, uh, I like when a good company comes in because there's, there's a perception and roofing in particular, there's a perception of marketers. That's kind of like scammy spammy, unfortunately, because there's been some yeah. like opportunists. And so yeah. when a legitimate company comes in, I just, I like it because it legitimizes the profession to Dude, this particular rising, rising yeah. tide raises all ships is the good mentality we want. We're trying to <clears throat> let's let them, let's compare apples to apples, like legit apples to apples. I, I lost a, uh, you know, I don't get to do very many one-on-one calls with contractors anymore, but I did do one with a, a big player up in the Bay Area, and I lost it to another agency, a competitive agency of mine, and I was the sales guy on it, which I rarely ever do, so that hurt a little bit, but the guy I lost it to owns another competitive agency, and we're friends, so I'm like, well, dude, I, so I sent him a text message, and I'm like, dude, you beat me. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> it's like, I, I threw everything at this guy, and so... But now here's what happens, right? Like the competitor in me went to another customer in that market, sold him. And I said, see this company, 
this is the one we're focused on kicking their ass. Like, and so the competitive nature. And so I messaged to my buddy, I'm like, Hey dude, just so you know, I just onboarded this company. I th- gave them half, like it's go time. Let's compete. So <laughs> yeah. We have, we have like fun that. with it, right? Like yeah. it's, no, okay. like he's a good dude. I believe in it. Yeah. Like uh, he's it. I mean, he's a great guy. He's got a decent company. Um, and so if you're going to like, you know, you might as well make the most of it because they're not going anywhere. Like, but just, you know, build the taller building. Totally. And as people, you know, some people have already chosen it, already going for it. Some people are kind of progressing in that area. I guess one thing I'd just add here, like not to hop around a ton, like just somebody was talking about way over here niche. And then like, like it's better to add another home service if you're in that than to be over here. And like, you know, I, like you and I have talked about, like I was at the beginning, I was doing contractors. Like I was thinking about financial. I was thinking about like medical and like, I essentially realized that's way too disparate. You're talking to too many people. Your messaging is just off. It's not going to be effective. So I I encourage people to stick around. I really, you know, we're only four months in to being fully niched agency for contractors. So before I was you know, we have some old clients that are like medical and stuff like that. And sure. um, what I, what I kind of note though, is like, I don't think the gains have been had yet. Do you know what I mean? From four months in to niche, like you should yeah. think of this, like if somebody's niching, like you should think of this as like a year one, you're starting to get the gains and year two, it's starting to compound a bit. Like I think of that as the the approach on this, not like I'm going to be three months into this niche and everyone's just going to know me. It just yeah. takes forever. It takes a long time. And a lot of this stuff is off- offline. A lot of this stuff is like just track record and all that stuff. So. Well, you add, you, so you do a couple things when you decide to work with a niche. Um, you actually, the market is much greater than you think it is. First off, like we start to pigeonhole our thoughts and like, Oh, I can only work with these companies in this yeah. location. Well, you can usually work with a handful in a specific market, like until you hit a saturation point, which you'll have to figure out. But when you focus on a niche, you add credibility to your business mm-hmm. and actually you start to become more valuable. So you can charge more because now you're the expert in that industry. Um, and the longer you do it, the more valuable you become and the more credible you become. And so it makes you an expert in that industry, which means you can charge more for that, right? Mm-hmm. You can charge more for those things. And you start to gain more, um, you know, referrals from other people in the same industry because they have peers that they go to their different, you know, offices or they go to their different practices. Or they go to the different contractors. They all have peer groups that they're in- involved in. Well, a big chunk of them have peer groups. And then you say, hey, is there somebody else? Like it makes it easier to get referral business from them. So there's a lot of benefits to staying niche and going down that route. Exactly. And I think of the long, like, how do you ask, I guess I'm starting to go off on different directions, but how do you ask your current customers for referrals? Like, how do you do that? Like, do you have a system in place for that? I guess, I don't know if you want to answer this. Yeah, man. So it's actually, it's pretty simple now. Um, So our sales team has a specific, you know, plan that they follow. Um, because we we do monthly reporting calls with our customers, like I mean, every single month we have good communication with them. Um, it, you know what the success, and you know you already kind of know what the what they're feeling about this. And if we notice a hole, like I was just telling you, Tim, or saying to the listeners, is that you know when you focus on a niche and you start to see that you are lacking customers in a specific market, you need to hyper focus on that market, mm-hmm. on trying to fill that market. Yeah, um, that's how you, that basically it's our market share, right? So then you go to some of your customers uh, around that market and say, hey, 
man, I'm really trying to find somebody else that I can help like we're helping you, you know, in the Salt Lake City market or in the Yakima, Washington market. Like, do you know of anybody there? And then because people naturally want to help, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing a good job for them, like they naturally want to help, you'll start to find that it becomes easier to ask for referrals because they already believe in you. They're like happy to refer you because they're going to talk about real numbers that you're doing for them. Yeah. Local businesses of all types have a, a natural, uh, you know, service area, but then sometimes the contractors um, or home service businesses will start to expand and be one of those big boy companies. And, and it's beautiful, but it also, now they're a competitor with 10 other markets. Um, how have you handled that? Um, and in a way that's classy to the customers that I guess, I mean, obviously we want to keep that customer. It's a big company. They're doing really cool things, but how do you measure that? Or how do you balance that against the people that are now in those markets that they're starting to compete with? I guess. Yeah, I man, know. like this is, this is a common problem for us. Um, it's not even really a problem. It's all on how you address it and, yeah. and how honest you are with yourself with it. And it is somebody's going to do it, right? Whether it's me, you, or another agency, somebody's going to do it for them. I would much rather be the one in control of that spin so I don't increase. Like, I don't I don't start to inflate oh, my PPC yeah. spin and start driving up my others, you know, um, cost per click and things like that, which drives up cost per lead. So there's there is a saturation point that you do got to be concerned about. Yeah. Um, but when they're a big agency, you know, their spend is different. Maybe they're, typically if they're big, they've got more brand equity already built in. Um, but sometimes they're, they're a big brand in one market, you know, like probably, I think one of my larger customers is, is roughly 600 million. Um, and he's all home services. And even though he has a phenomenal brand in Southern California and Phoenix and Tucson and Vegas, um, he's starting to buy contractors in Texas. Well, his brand equity is, you know, a single digit, you know, in Texas. So, so he buys the company and he leaves the name of that business. So it's no, it's not currently. So, you know, you, there is still some variables you have to think through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to also try and be aware, like where we're at today is we bank on that happening. So we just look to make sure when we, when we say we're saturated, I use air quotes, we know we've got wiggle room for if somebody else, if one of our big players decides to go into a market. I love it. So, you know, that it's one of those things where niching, it does make a little bit more sense with local service businesses because I mean, like it just makes, you know, I hear some companies, they're like a lot of agencies, bigger brands, big companies. They're like, Oh, we can only have one in the financial services market, you know, like it's cause it's national or whatever. So yeah. Um, those types of companies, bigger, bigger, co- what have you seen? I mean, do you have any context on that? Like, I guess, I really believe in niching. So when I see them say that, they're like, we can only have one type of, I guess the niching ends up being like, we're really good at differentiating messaging or something like that. Like it becomes the service oriented niche. And I've got a lot of friends around here that are more that that service oriented. We're really, really good at like technical SEO and like even bigger agencies use them for technical SEO and stuff like that. So I guess that maybe that is where they can niche. I mean, you could, I guess, if it's, um, I feel like that would really pigeonhole your business, but. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I just really think of like that service niche thing is kind of like a cop out in a way. I mean, industry knowledge is a real thing, like having yeah. industry knowledge. So if you really think you could have industry knowledge for 10 different 
complete different markets. That's the tough part. And I think, you know, we struggle with that too, because we're saying all contractors, but we have more than half of our clients are roofers. So I'm still trying to figure that out too. Yeah, dude, you don't have enough bodies to be able to be an expert in so many different industries. Yeah. Like, cause it takes, you know, I mean, like here, you think about this. I have data analysis positions in this company and all they do is study the data. Like that's mm-hmm. their only job is to make sure we're smarter and better, you know, every single day. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to compete with those things. But that, well, you're not, I mean, uh, that should give you some perspective yeah, though. I you know, you were scrappier than you though. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so keep in mind, dude, I come from nothing. I bootstrapped this thing together. Um, Good. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. No, so I'm just saying like when you're small, that's what you got. A little you bit. have to be, you you're gotta be small and nimble. Yeah, and dude, you gotta, you gotta be scrappy. And, and, you know, and you, you know, even though we're a you know, nearly 14 year old company, we still function very much like a startup. We make fast decisions. We move quick, things like that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, the point I was getting at with that, you know, for people listening is that you can't, if you, if you try to be everything to everybody, you're going to just be okay at it. Like, and if you got to do, if you're going to focus on a niche, be great at it. It will be more successful. You know, you'll be, you'll be better. Um, you add more credibility, you'll make more money and it'll open up other opportunities for you because the other niches will come. Like it's, a, you know, I don't think you need to stick with one. If you're in dental, you know, I don't, you, you can't go from dental to HVAC. Like it's too, like to your point, Tim, it's too different. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, how would you say, Hey man, we're a really good dental and financial advisor, you know, company or <laughs> real estate is like real estate mortgages. We don't touch. I wouldn't, don't even want any part of that, but you can't, you know, keep at least keep the, um, the type of co- the customers that you're working with remotely close so that it makes sense. And the objective, I think, is another thing, like having the same objective. These people want more leads. These people need more employees. These people need, you know, like there's there's kind of like clear objectives that that you're going towards. I think that that keeps the, the language that you can, at least on the marketing and sales side, that you can keep that all that clear. That's the way I see it. Yeah, dude, I, don't, I, don't, I agree with you. Yeah, it makes more sense. Like I, I even, you know, like I told you this too, um, I, I struggle right now with how do I make roofing make sense to the masses when I'm an HVAC plumbing and electrical focused company? Well, the only way that it makes sense is because my biggest players are buying roofing companies. It's the only reason I went back into the business of mm-hmm. doing roofing. So that makes sense to me, but yeah. not to the masses right now. Cause yeah. people, you know, will be wondering, well, what the hell are they doing something with roofing now? Like I thought they were HVAC plumbing, electrical focus. So you do have, it does have to make sense. Like mine's probably a little closer than I think it is, but I'm just hyper sensitive to the perception of, you know, us losing that credibility of being so hyper-focused on HVAC plumbing electrical. You know, your company's badass, man. And uh, you've got great systems and the, you know, you learn, you learn stuff from that market. You know, have, have you checked out Tommy Mello's podcast? Dude, Tommy's my boy. Dude, badass. Yeah. So that dude like has a, I think it's the same. It's a great uh, structure that he has, which is he almost is like dip grabbing a little bit from over here and showing these guys in this market, how to do that. Yeah. You know? And so that's <clears throat> to me what I see of like your benefit to that, you know, and, and ours to other niches too, is basically taking what worked in that and showing it to these guys. So I think like yeah. this podcast is so good because a lot of the things that like a, a garage door installer has learned about systems and processes are different from these guys. And so they, he just talks about it. And some of those, then people are like, 
oh yeah, we got to use that. No one's doing that in our industry, but let's do that here. Yeah, dude, Tommy's a good, so Tommy and I are really close friends. Um, and for those who are listening who don't know who he is, he owns like nearly a hundred million dollar garage door company. It's kind of spreading across the United States. His, his um, headquarters is right here in Phoenix with me. Um, but I, I mean, his podcast is Home Service Millionaire. Um, again, good friend of mine. He's got like Tommy. So I can only listen to Tommy in doses because he's got so much information and yeah. he like goes from A yeah. to D to B to W. Like he, he kind of goes you're really smart when, when yeah. he does this podcast, he assumes the person listening. Oh yeah. Smart. That's a very fun feeling sometimes. And then, yeah, you're right. It's hard to absorb it all. Yeah, dude. And, and like I said, he and I are, are, are friends and, um, and, it, but you're right. One thing that he does, well, first off, Tommy's reads, I think he's read like, 2000 books like he, he's a book reader um but i love that he where he and i have always kind of seen eye to eye is that neither one of us have been afraid to a b test everything and just do it and fail do it and fail like if something doesn't work at least now we know and we can move on and remove that from our brain so he and i have yes. really kind of always aligned on that on not yeah. being afraid to try new things and let it fail and, and and not fail and like not try it again but fail and make sure like do i need to do a different way or do i just say nope that didn't work move on I think that's why he has all these random like things that like I think of as a little bit old school in his arsenal, like the, the Val pack. He's really into Val pack. Apparently it still works. Cause he probably like, he's like, I'm not afraid to test that. He's a, he's a fairly young guy. Like for him to be into Val pack, like as much as he is, it's kind of funny, but yeah, I mean, dude, Tom's hurt. only a couple of years younger than me, but, but I think I it does it. matter per oh. industry too. Yeah. yeah. I think it matters per industry. And um, you know, and he's in the garage door business and I can like Tim, Tim, I mean, I've seen it work in, Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on market depends on what your messaging is you know how you track it all that type of stuff but listen i'm a fan of doing everything if it helps your brand and can and as long as you're tracking and measuring it i think it's good i mean brand equity has never been more important than it is today 100 agreed and i think when i see our clients we don't do social media services social media marketing yeah we're trying to enable our contractors to do it better with courses and just giving them feedback and stuff like that. Every time I see them doing that stuff in larger quantities, it's complimentary to what we're doing. So I, you know, I just like when other people, when people are doing other things, I love it when I see a good wrapped fleet of trucks, Yeah, uh, all that stuff. So like, I love when a company is, cares about it too. And, and the best owners of companies seem to. Dude, so. the better the the better the brand, the better the performance for us. Yeah, if they've got a great brand, it only helps it only helps companies like ours that much better. So I really appreciate your time today. I hope this is useful to people out there. Chris and I will see each other on the battlefield, and maybe I, I still don't know if you really want me to do this. I I've, I know you know I'm a little competitive. I can't I can't stop that. But I really it would be <laughs> cool to see your operation, if not just from the perspective of like leadership. I need to learn. I'm learning leadership. It's very difficult. I'm actually like, I was, when I worked for someone else, I was just like a high performer kind of little bit egotistical guy on my own. So so like then when I go out here and like, oh, everything's soft and you have to be nice and everyone, you really need to get good at like being kind of bureaucratic and as a, as in a, in a caring in a real way, it's just difficult. It's a difficult transition. So if nothing else, I'd love to learn from what you you're doing there and just kind of, how you lead people, how you structure your teams, if you're open to it. And yeah. It's yeah, totally of fun. course. And I, and I told you that, that you could come yeah. here and do that. And I would love that. And I'll tell you um, something that you've done, that you've done well that I want to give you kudos on is I can only speak from my experience. 
Um, and I feel like my experience has been really good and we've come a long way as a business and we're a very reputable business, but a lot of it came from me just being nice, you know, and, and you came and talked to me, you know, um, you came and sought me out at RoofCon and you started a dialogue with me. And that's what I used to do as I thought, I don't want to be any enemies with these guys. I want to be competitors, but not enemies. Yeah. And yep. so it's so much easier that way. It, it's less friction. Anytime there's, you know, it be, you become enemies, it's a time suck and it's doing oh, yeah. you no good. So you'd made the right move of, you know, being friendly and I would have been friendly with you regardless, but you yeah. just beat me to it. And so um, I commend you for that. And it says a lot about why I think your character and, and I believe that character, you know, as a leader in your company, whether you are great at leadership or not, um, that's who you I'm are. Learning. I'm learning. I'm way better I did, than I was three years I ago. I had to do so the same thing. Fun. Trust yeah. me. Like, it's like, you know, some, some players aren't great coaches. Like I really have to learn how to manage people, you know, like it was not something I was good at. Um, thankfully, you know, my wife was as our COO and now we've got good management in place. So I've really had to like, I've had to like be intentional about learning how to be a good manager and, but being a good leader, sometimes you don't feel like you're leading and that's actually what makes you a good leader mm -hmm. is, you know, some of the characteristics that you have that you just naturally do yeah. are good leadership qualities, you know, that, you know, you, you stepped out, started your business. You have people that want to work for you. You have, you have, you know, customers um, who like you, you have, you know, competitors that like you, like you're making the right moves. So yeah. I commend you on those things. Well, I'll look up to you, man. And I'll, I like, <laughs> I really appreciate the, uh, the offer. So just very generous. Thank you for coming on. Where can people find Rhino online? Yeah, man. Easy thing to do. Yeah. Easy thing to do is just go to um, Rhino is actually R Y N O ss.com that's two sam so rhino ss.com you can pretty much google rhino anything you'll see it come up um if you guys ever heard of google yeah <laughs> just google ryno yeah you'll you'll see some stuff come up but um and then of course i'm on linkedin if you want to reach out to me directly um i do get a ton of like notifications so if i don't respond right away just give me a little bit i'll get to it i promise you um awesome but i'm pretty i try to make myself accessible awesome thank you so much for doing that chris it's it's kind of like just, uh, it's refreshing. It's, I know your time is valuable. I appreciate you. Um, the podcast is Agency Growth Mastermind, hookagency.com. Thanks everyone for listening or watching. Thanks, Bye. Sam.